The recording that you're about to listen to is a talk from the City Bible Forum. We would appreciate you respecting our copyright by not making copies of this talk or altering the content in any way. We hope that you find the material beneficial. If you would like more information on the City Bible Forum, you can visit us on the web at citybibleforum.org. Well, sometimes when I drive, the streets in Sydney are so narrow, they get two cars facing each other, and you have to decide who pulls over first. Well, when I'm driving to church, I often think, well, I'll be such a hypocrite if I don't do this, so then I pull over first. But I hope for the thank you wave from the other driver. And when I don't get the thank you wave, I feel very disrespected. I feel undervalued and I feel underappreciated. And maybe we've often felt like that, disrespected and undervalued. Maybe it's when we take out the garbage, but no one says thank you. Maybe it's when we do the school run, but no one says thank you. Maybe it's when we work back late, but no one says thank you. So our question today is this, what would Jesus say to the undervalued? Well, welcome to our February series of talks where we ask the question, what would Jesus say? And Jesus meets someone in the Bible, and we ask, what would Jesus say to that person? And what would Jesus say to us today? And today our question is this, what would Jesus say to the undervalued? And this will come in the form of about 20-minute talk from me now, and there'll be time for question and answer afterwards. Well, today's question is, what would Jesus say to the undervalued? Because in the Bible story that we just read, Jesus meets a bunch of people who are undervalued. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. In this story, children come to Jesus, but Jesus' own followers, his disciples, rebuke, disrespect them. But then Jesus flips it around and says, Whoa, these children are welcome in my kingdom. And more than that, unless we become like them, we can't enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is the part of the story I just don't get. For my whole life, I've been trying to grow up. And now Jesus says, we have to become like a child to enter his kingdom. What is going on? Well, to answer that, we need to hear the three things that Jesus is telling us in this story. Number one is this. It's hard to get respect. And we see that in the story. Verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them, disrespected them. Now, as you may know, a few years ago, I went through a midlife crisis and I bought myself a motorbike. And as you may know, I also bought myself a high-vis jacket. But my wife said to me, you cannot wear that jacket. And I said, why not? And she said, because you look silly in that jacket. And I said, but it keeps me safe. And she said, well, it was about safety. Why did you buy a motorbike in the first place? I hate it when they use logic against you like that. But she was right. I noticed whenever I did wear the jacket, cars would disrespect me. They treated me like I was invisible. They would cut in. They would crowd and tail me. See, it's very hard to get respect. And maybe we felt that when we bring up a good idea at a work meeting, but people ignore it. But when someone else brings up the same idea, they praise it. Or maybe we feel that way around friends and family. When people ignore us, they talk over the top of us, and they keep us out of the loop. Hugh Mackay is an Australian social commentator. In his book, What Makes Us Tick, The Ten Desires That Drive Us, he says the number one human desire that drives us is this. 
the desire to be respected, the desire to be noticed, the desire to be somebody. We all want respect. But as we see here, it's very hard to get respect. But the second thing that Jesus says is this. Jesus offers belonging. In the story, it goes on. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. And he said to them, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And Jesus took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. Jesus gives the children belonging. I love flying international because when I'm on that plane, it's like I'm in a little man cave. There's a TV screen to watch and they bring you food and drinks. But what I don't like about international travel is when you land at the other airport and you have to clear customs. Because not only is customs crowded, but they have two lines. There's one line for those with the UK passports and there's one line for those with the other passports. And the UK passport line will have one person in it and the other passports line will be crowded. And you turn up with the Australian passport and say, hey, come on, let me in on the UK passport line. And they say, no, buddy, you have one of those other passports. You say, come on, it's an Australian passport. We're, We're all in the Commonwealth together. Hey, we fought for you in World War II. Hey, we played cricket together. We beat you in cricket. And they go, you are definitely in that other line. And that's where you feel very disrespected. And that's why I love that feeling when you come back to Australia and you pull out your Australian passport and they put you in a fast line. And in that moment, you feel validated. You feel honoured. You feel respected and you have found belonging in your own tribe. And that's what Jesus does with his children. He offers them belonging in his tribe, in his family, in Team Jesus, in the kingdom of God. He validates them. He honours them. He respects them. Well, I want to know how I too can find belonging in the tribe of Jesus. Well, this brings us to the third thing that Jesus says, and it's this. We too have to become like a little child. Jesus flips it around and says we have to become like a child. The story goes on. Truly I tell you, anyone who would not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Jesus says, hey, I'm not just making an exception for these children. This is a necessity. We have to become like them. Well, now I want to know what these children have that us grown-ups don't have. Well, I can think of many things, but today let me just suggest two things. One thing is this. Children have playfulness. When we ask a child to paint, this is what it looks like. When we ask a grown-up to paint, this is what it looks like. (sighs) Boring. It's so serious. When it snows, this is what a child looks like. They play snow angels. When it snows, this is what a grown-up looks like. It's work. And when we run, this is what a child looks like. It's joy. It's play. But when we run, this is what it looks like. It's punishment because we ate too much over Christmas. See, when do we as grown-ups become so serious? When do we worry so much about what other people thought about us? When do we worry so much about what we look like? 
When do we forget how to play? And you see this with couples when they're dating. Oh, when they're boyfriend and girlfriend and they're just starting to date. Psychologists say they actually regress and they behave like children again because they giggle, they tease, they play chasings and hide and seek. But when they get married and become husband and wife, oh, it's all serious. Because now it's like you're running a small business together where it's about cash flow, paying bills and expenses. It's about human resources, whose turn to pick up the kids from school. It's about roster management, whose turn to unstack the dishes. When do we become so serious? See, guys, remember when you were dating and you could throw a snowball at your girlfriend's head and she would laugh? Do you remember you could mess up her hair and it was funny? Do you remember you could push her in the swimming pool and it was hilarious? Oh, you do that now as a husband. It's not funny. You are sleeping in the car tonight. How do we get so serious? And religion becomes like that, where it becomes transactional, where we treat God like a business associate, where you do this, I do this. I do this, you do this. But Jesus says we have become like children again, where it's joy, where we treat God like a person and there's spontaneity. It's a relationship not a business partnership. The other thing we can learn from children is this. Children turn up empty-handed. I've been married to my wife for over 20 years, and last year for her birthday, I said to her, now, for your birthday, just so you know, I haven't got you anything. And she said, yeah, yeah, it's fine, you don't have to get me anything. And I said, are you sure now? Because really, I haven't got you anything at all. She said, yeah, yeah, it's all right. I don't need anything. I said, oh, no, are you okay? Because I have got you, I haven't got you anything for your birthday. She said, yeah, yeah, it's fine. You don't need to get me anything. But on the day of her birthday, she says to me, so you didn't get me anything. I said, yeah, yeah I said I wasn't going to get you anything. So not even a card. Yeah, I said I wasn't going to get you anything. Are you okay with that? And she goes, you're serious. Not even a little cupcake with a candle on it. I said, yeah, yeah, I thought we were okay with this. I said, I wasn't going to get you anything. That was a very sad birthday. And that's when I learned, as a grown-up, you cannot turn up empty-handed to someone's birthday. Oh, but children, they turn up empty-handed all the time. They can go to a birthday party empty-handed. Us grown-ups, we have to ask, what can I bring Do I bring a salad? Do I bring a dessert? We have to bring something. Children travel for free on trains. Us grown-ups, we have to pay. And for Chinese New Year's, oh my gosh. Children turn up empty-handed. Us grown-ups, we have to turn up with cash. And we have to give away all our cash to these empty-handed children. And Jesus says it's the same. If we want to find belonging in his tribe... We have to be prepared to turn up empty-handed. Not bragging about who we are, not bragging about what we've done, not saying, hey, I've done this, now you do this. No, we turn up empty-handed. So what would Jesus say to those who are undervalued? Jesus offers the undervalued belonging. He offers validation. He offers respect. He offers honour. But only if we're prepared to not treat God like a business partner and turn up empty-handed. 
See, it's very hard to find belonging these days. If I want to belong to the College of Neurosurgeons, I have to pass exams. If I knocked on their door, I would not be welcome as a neurosurgeon. If I want to belong to the club of billionaires, I have to have a billion dollars. If I knocked on their door, they would not welcome me in a club of billionaires. It's hard to find belonging. See, to the Chinese, I'm not Chinese enough. To the Australians, I'm not Australian enough. It's hard to find belonging. I have a friend and she is a wife. She's a mother. She has successfully raised her children. She supported her husband as he successfully pursued his career. She herself has had a successful career. But she said to me, but I was never good enough for my mother-in-law. It's hard to be good enough. I have an Anglo-Australian friend who had a semi-professional football career. But he said to me, after every game, people would say to me, good game, good game, good game. But I never heard my own father say, good game. I was never good enough for my own father. It's hard to be good enough. But with Jesus, we don't have to be good enough. Jesus is good enough for us. And so Jesus says to all of us today that we can find validation. We can find honour. We can find status. We can find dignity. We can find respect. We can find belonging in his tribe. But only if we're prepared to turn up and not treat God like a business partner, but turn up empty-handed. Yeah, so the question was, receiving the kingdom like a child, could that also be that element of trust, especially the trust that you see a child have with a parent? And I say, yeah, absolutely. Um, so just for a limited time, I just picked two things, playfulness and turning up empty-handed. But even the turning up empty-handed is that trust that, that I can turn up empty-handed and I'll be safe, I'll be secure, and I'll be loved as I am. And, and yes, it's under that context of trust. So trust is a big component, yes. Um, so related to that, Sam, um, why, like, why did you pick those two things? There's lots of things that you could pick about kids. I mean, kids could be you know, snotty or yeah. noisy or you know, a, a number of other adjectives. Um, what, yeah, what made you pick those today looking at this part of the Bible? That's right. So how was I not being arbitrary, just arbitrarily picking up two qualities when there are like a hundred others I could have gone with, like naughty, snotty-nosed, uh, was I guilty of what philosophers call question-begging? Well, the answer is I've picked those two because I think they fit really well in the context of Mark chapter 10, where that story came from, and the equivalent chapter in Luke, because the foils to the children are, it will be the rich young ruler who turns up uh, and, and says, hey, look at all the things I've done, hey? What do I now need to do for eternal life? And Jesus says, well, no, no, it's the children who will get eternal life. And so it's not what, so I think it's that foil to the young rich ruler. And also it belongs in that context in Luke with a parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. Again, the Pharisee parading what he's done before God. And then straight afterwards you get the story of the children. So again, it's emphasizing, again, it's not transactional because the Pharisee is treating this like a transactional relationship. And it's turning up empty-handed, again, opposite to the rich young ruler and opposite to the Pharisee. Thanks, Sam. Um, one, one that came in uh, as well. So what does it look like to come empty-handed uh, if, you're a, you know, if you're a worker, um, you know, if you're not a child, you're someone who has a bit of money, 
Uh, I mean, maybe you're a little bit time poor, but what does it look like for uh, us here to come empty-handed? Yeah, I think empty-handed just really sums up beautifully that double truth, the double tension that is in the message of Jesus. So one half of the truth, of the double truth, is that we are way more broken, we're way more sinful, we're way more short where we, where we want to be and where God needs us to be than we ever dare admit. But the other double truth is this, that we are way more unconditionally loved than we ever dared imagine. And if we only had this one truth, that would devastate us. If we only had this truth, they'll make us smug and self-righteous, but also ironically insecure, because now we have to keep on performing to be loved. Uh, But knowing that we've fallen, we're broken, we're sinful, but we're unconditionally loved, is all summed up in being able to turn up empty-handed, and trusting on God's love and mercy. Okay, thanks. I do have another one here, so we're all good. Um, do you have examples, Sam, of what it actually, what you think it looks like to approach God with a spirit of playfulness? And is it possible to get it wrong in the way that you've yeah, described it? Yeah, so play, play symbolises so many things. I love to go surfing, but when I surf, I have a healthy respect of the ocean and that actually lets me play. So play actually exists in a context of a healthy respect of the other person. So when we play, we're playful in our relationship with God. It's not because we're disrespectful. It's because the respect is there. Play also happens with friends. You think that you don't play with strangers. And this is why in corporate retreats, where they make you compulsorily, have compulsory play and fun time, it doesn't work, and because uh, it works with, spontaneously with friends. And it's also why in marriage relationships, where we concentrate so much on responsibility, we forget why we're originally married in the first place. It's the relationship, it's the person, it's the spontaneity. So that I think just reminding ourselves of why we are um, in a relationship with Jesus in his kingdom. So, because too often as Christians, we, we think, why am I a Christian? We, our first response is, so my sins are forgiven and I go to heaven and I have eternal life. And that, that's true, but that's almost like the transactional part of the relationship. You know, my sins are forgiven, now I'm justified. But Jesus reminds us, no, there's a relational aspect to this as well. And that's why the climactic blessing in the Bible is adoption, where God is not just our father, but our Dad, and the Bible uses the Aramaic Abba, and for those of us who are Asian, that's the Baba, we used to call our dads. For those of us who are Middle Eastern, that's the Abba, we used to call our dads. So the Bible says God isn't just the king who forgives us and lets us in his kingdom, and he's not just the father who adopts us legally, he's the dad who actually plays with us intimately, and I think we need to enjoy that side of the relationship as well. So, so the uh, playing is kind of related to enjoying. Yeah. yeah, taking delight in the other person. The recording that you have just listened to is from the City Bible Forum. For more information about City Bible Forum events in your city or to order other talks, please visit citybibleforum.org.